Uh, hold on. So I have, um, to, just to put this to bed, I have this, <laughs> the final script pulled up here. And I'm going to go to the moment yes. and see, see if I wrote she turns it off or not. back to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys rewatch podcast. Rewatch does mean we've seen the series from the end to the beginning and back again, but in this case, I think that warning is finally irrelevant. We are at the series finale, guys. This is Beep, and just in a moment, you will hear Tina and I speaking with Terry, Drew, and Steven. We get to go behind the scenes to hear the story of how the series finale was put together from script to screen. We do want to express our support for the vital, incredible Black Lives Matter protests going on right now in the U.S. and all over the world. Please go to blacklivesmatters.carrd.co to find out all the different ways that you can help. We have with us today Terry Metalis, co-creator and showrunner and writer and uh, director of the series finale. Hello, Terry. Hello. Drew Nichols, editor, and Andrew, you edited the series finale. Uh, it was a yeah, Chris Gay, the other editor for the show, and I both did it. He did part one, and I did part two, so we kind of did double duty because it was such a huge endeavor. You know, the finale, so it's a two part, two two editor split team kind of thing. Got it. Um, and then also Stephen Barton, composer of uh, the season three and season four original soundtrack. Thank you all so much for coming Oops. back. We recently led a rewatch of this finale about two years um, after it aired, and it it is it is amazing. Um, it never gets old, um, and I know you know it's without a question one of television's greatest series finales. And a, you know a lot of it, of course, has to do with the performances, but the writing and the editing and the music, it just all comes together. Basically, one of the best two-hour movies that have been on TV. Um, so congratulations, because it's, you know, we're two years after and we're still talking about it. Um, wow. Thank you guys. It's very, it's, it's kind words. We've talked in the past a lot about the timey wimey questions. Um, and, and so I feel like we've really covered that. And so what we wanted to focus on today is really how you know, initially sort of the writing of the end of a story, but then also how you edited it all together and the music really brought home the end of the story in such a powerful way. And I mean, Terry wanted to ask you just to, to kick off, um, you know, you, you began this story, you sit down to write, how am I going to end the story of 12 monkeys? What was important to you in terms of, of ending the story? Well, there was a lot, you know, it was it, the the writing of the finale actually started on day one of the room of season two, when you know there was about four or five core ideas. I'm like, I know I want to get to this. I know I want it to feel like this. I know I want this to happen and this to happen. So you put those on the board, and hopefully your story is going to shake out that way. And there's some new surprises along the way. So you don't really like 
it's not like it's a blank piece of paper by the when by the time you start um writing you've had many many threads many sometimes lines of dialogue um the whole moment uh with cole with cassie at the tower refusing to turn off the thing and cole running through the destruction to get to her was like i mean end of season two i was starting to write down the at least the moves of that sequence of what that would be like if we could build to that moment because you had to build you know throughout the season so that by the time you got to cassie and she didn't turn it off you understood so it wasn't just a surprise and you're not throwing rocks at your tv and hating cassie which was something i was concerned about um so it's yeah it's 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 not like just a moment it's not a blank uh, a blank page if that makes sense right but i mean but it's interesting because this this series finale came along at a time where there there seems to be a lot of discussion and maybe increased audience expectations about how television shows end. Um, right. And you're pretty. You guys are pretty much the only one who's nailed it so far. <laughs> so um, one of <laughs> one of one of the Is things that true. Is that I think true? So. Um. See, the shield was a pretty good, was a pretty good finale. Um, it was a tough one, you know. T- finales are really tough because you have to give the audience. I think you need to give the audience what they want in a way that they don't, you know, realize they they want it or, or or expect. So that's hard. Yeah, I mean, Cheers, Cheers is good, right? Diane came back <laughs> and then he, he picked the bar over Cheers. I don't know, the, uh, uh, Battlestar. I like I liked a lot of what Battlestar. I like the feeling of the Battlestar finale. There's something oh, that's 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 similar to a lot of those actually though, and it's interesting that the, those ones that and you know Breaking Bad comes to mind as well, where I, it's the knowledge that you're going to be ending. I think um, is is I think a lot of TV often misses the mark with season finales because they they just they you know they they either half-heartedly sort of wanted another season or or they you know or they or they just didn't know they were going to be ending and the, you know they found out mid-season they were cancelled and that's it. Um, right. and so, you know, there's a rushed arc. I mean, this, I think this one works so well because, because the, there was the knowledge of exactly how long it needed to be. And so, you know, it's a lot easier to stick the landing when you know where the, where the landing pad is. It's um, very true. So. And, you know, I, and, and I didn't really look at it just as like a, just what's a, what are great endings? You know, like at the time, Return of the Jedi was a really satisfying ending. You know, Luke saves his father. They all have a party at the end. You know, it's Han and, layer and love you know what i mean there's like you know for as a kid at least in 1983 that, that's a pretty satisfying finale i think the lord yeah. of the rings movies uh, certainly the harry potter books are satisfying finales um so you kind of look at that as the feeling you're going for and then hopefully you can do it in television but all those things that i mentioned have fairly epic gigantic endings like you want to feel for me like you want to feel like something big happened and for us that would have been the raid on titan and like a war essentially um and the end of the world like countdown (laughs) happening (laughs) so um so yeah but there were many moments when we looked at that being like is that just not the right way to do it um for sure yeah, I mean, as much as you have these sort of epic stakes and it feels, you know, like a big summer blockbuster movie with all of the action at Titan, I think it was 
um, when Barry Hardiman from NPR was on the pod, she talked about how the character arcs and the thematic work you all did, you know, if it were a, a TV show that that took place sort of in everyday times, right, like a show about cops, a show about whatever, you would have been like, damn, that was a really good finale. But the fact that I think what she said was your scaffolding was she called it a cathedral of time travel storytelling. That is what you I mean, that's it's the character and it's the themes. That's why we rewatch it. You know, because right. we already we already know what happened. We already, you know, uh, have that moment of oh, the heroes won. You don't. I don't know if you go back and 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 rewatch it just for the heroes won. You go back and rewatch it because you care about the characters and and you oh, all, yeah. Despite everything that's going on, and we'll get into it. You guys made a lot of room for for character moments, for character goodbyes that I don't. You know, you don't see a lot in a lot of series finales. Yeah, and, and and you know that was that whole ending where they're all saying goodbye on at the time machine. I remember, for me, I was I wanted it, so I I, I knew it was going to happen. I remember the studio and the network were like, "This goes on a bit," although they were very supportive and very emotional. But they they felt like it was long. And I remember Chris, the editor, at one point was like, "He's like, I just don't think you need those. I think it's over once the basically." He, once they uh, defeat Titans, like I don't think you need all that goodbye stuff. He's like, there's too many endings, and I was, uh, you know, the, that Lord of the Rings, like when you watch the last Lord of the Rings movie, like there, there's a lot of endings there. I love them, but <laughs> you know, the, it's it's going on for a bit. But I didn't feel that way, and I think especially by the time uh, and Drew, we like we played with the cut. It just didn't feel. It never felt like I wasn't invested in saying goodbye to each and every one of them like each one of them had a, a very different kind of goodbye you know what i mean they were all different And, and Cole was bittersweet in a way that the Jennifer goodbye is not, you know, Jennifer, you're smiling through tears. Cause she's still, like, it's you're still funny, but it's sad. Cause she's leaving and, you, and you'll miss her in a different way. And, and Jones is different because, you know, she, she, she hangs on just long enough to complete her mission and then dies. Um, and then leaving Cole to be the last one through. So it's like, they're all different parts of that story. So it didn't feel like goodbye by each one's getting on the spaceship and leaving, you know.
Yeah, and I think that one was also, like you were saying, as we got into the edit of it, because, you know, Chris was doing early assemblies of stuff. And, and as we've talked about, you know, on the podcast, so, sometimes the early assemblies, are, it's just everything that's there. They're, it's in a vacuum. So, you know what I mean? It can start to be, feel like, oh, these are, these look at all these different endings. But as we started to put it together and, you know, find a flow through it, we could, it, we're feeling the calibration that all of these are different. They're not just at their own. And it's like an ending section that we're saying goodbye to all of this stuff and to the story of, you know, the future and the time and, uh, you know, the, the Raritan labs too. Like we're saying goodbye to all of that to, together. So it felt more of like a section. And as we were working on it, it was, it, it bumped us all less to the point of like, this is super satisfying now because, you know, we've, we've done the battle, we've done the big thing. And now we get a moment with the characters to say goodbye in the place, you know, that we've known them in for so long. So that was right. like one of the ones where, yeah. you know, working on it, we really fine tuned it and it, it felt right. I think the over overriding thing with uh, all of, you know, uh, I, I think this actually goes to the heart of like what, not just what makes a good finale, but what makes for satisfying storytelling is always, has always been whether something feels earned or not. Um, and, uh, you know, it's I, I, a director I worked with once, you know, kind of had a great line for it where it sort of says, you know, the idea of sentimentality is, is just sen all sentimentality is, is un unearned emotion. And if you end up where, where some, something feels like it's gone too much far, it's because, you know, you haven't earned it. Um, and it's, but for the ending of this, it's like, I think that, you know, in every way it had earned it and it's, you, you, you want to sort of push it as far as you can because otherwise you feel like you're shortchanging it and, but you push it up to the point where you're like, oh, okay, well, we have, we, I don't know if we've earned this. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think with these characters, you get to the end of the, this story and, and that you need that moment of catharsis or, 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 or otherwise, I think, I think, you know, you'd feel, feel shortchanged. I think, I think it has to have that. And that's, I think that's a testament to, you know, sort of four seasons worth of, of character building. Yeah, and just while we're on those goodbyes, Stephen, one of the things I was noticing, I mean, obviously the performances are sort of calibrated. I mean, it's basically just finding different levels of despair for the audience as we say goodbye <laughs> to all these, <laughs> all of these characters. Um, but the music, it, it really calibrates those levels, right? Um, it, it just seems to, and I was just sort of curious behind the scenes how you all sort of crafted that because it's you know the music to, to what terry's saying the mu saying goodbye to ramsey and knowing that he's going to go back and get shot is different than jennifer yeah. going to basically do the performance and then you've got that that really low note as you start to see cole hand the watch and you just want to like curl into the fetal position because you know it's coming but the music is helping us you know it's heightening all of that
Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing is, is that, you, I mean, you said it right there, is that the performances were there and, you know, you can obviously feel through those performances that, you know, there's there's an aspect to which, you know, I, I guess it's an aspect of sort of method where it's like that, this, you know, you shoot a season finale, pretty much that's the last thing you do um, by definition. So, you know, the you, you do get the, the sense without even without anything being said that there's these are a group of people who've known each other for a long time just on set and are saying goodbye uh, and to to a, to something that they've you know sort of has been their life for a long time so um it's one of the one of the great things is that you know there's that we're able to then sort of focus on 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 think calling really calling back so the ramsey moment you know we're we're you know we're 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 almost identically using some of the the music that we did use in that sequence and so um, and, and, and adding a sort of an extra layer of, of, of subtext to it. So, so you can sort of, t- you know, tile the, tile these threads up into a nice, nice parcel and sort of finish everything off, off neatly. And it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't in any way have to tell you that these are emotional moments because they are. So, uh, you know, it's that, that, that's, that certainly made my job a great deal easier. Um, yeah. And I think there's, there's levels to it too. I think it goes, you know, into how do you put all these goodbyes together that they all feel different too. You know, Ramsey's is, there's a tragedy there. We know how it ends. We know he's going to his own death. It's, it's tragic as he leaves. You know, Jennifer's like the companion, the rock, you know, the, you know, the, the buddy that you're, that there's like, you know, a sweetness to it. And there's, you know, and there's a little bit of comedy as, as should be with her. And then you turn to the, you know, to the love story and and the sadness between, you know, Cole and Cassie. Terry, we've heard that this is the last episode that you all filmed in Toronto, and and you've said in the past it was under a lot of time pressure. Are there any stories you can share with us since you directed this episode about the production? Any stories? God, I, uh, to me, it's just a blur of uh, not enough money and not nearly enough sleep. Um, there were, in order to do it, uh, um, I mean, I remember when. The script was finally finished. I remember uh, I, the production meeting was at 9 a.m. And I really didn't finish what I would consider the first pass of it um, until like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning the night before. So it had to be like emailed to the production office so they can make a bunch of copies and then we can all sit in a room and talk about it. Um, and um, and then some pieces, for instance, the, the Cole's very last monologue was like the last thing i wrote in a show 
after we had cut it together because um, uh, Happily Ever Now was like the last thing, the last line I sort of came up with after we had looked at everything and I was sure that's what it was about. And that phrase came to me, um, which was more, it was almost meta in a way in, in, in that like, I would constantly remind myself how much when I loved the show, when I got up at one at six o'clock in the morning to go there, you know, they'd always drop me off in at that sound stage in the time, time machine sound stage. And I'd walk on with my coffee and the light, that blue light would be on. And I'd be like, this is so cool. Just enjoy this. Enjoy this. This is so cool. Um, so that was kind of like a happily ever now meta reference to the whole experience. Um, so the stories really about it were like, you know, this is crazy. This is like a college movie uh, that we're trying to do with no money. But when I did hand in the script, my producer uh, came to me and said, you know, we're not, we're not making this right. I go, yeah, but we are. So how are we going to do it? Um, we had to, we had to go out this way and we had to, which means we had to make a lot of concessions. Um, and one of them was we had to have two units shooting it at one time. So what that would mean would be is that I would take the bulk of like big scenes, right? But then like there would be certain scenes, like for instance, connective tissue where um, like the daughters are um, fighting off the 12, the, the, the army of the 12 monkeys after they splintered into Titan and bits with, uh, with Jones and Adler and everybody looking up at the thing, like David Grossman, would be on its be with a whole other unit shooting that where and I would be up at the house uh, shooting Colin Cassie's final moment on a big crane and doing all that kind of stuff and then going to the beach and shooting that. So sometimes I'd finish this is totally illegal. I'd finish one unit unit after 14 hours and then take a car over to the other unit and go another six hours to make sure we had. So it was crazy. Um, it's like 20 hours of shooting just to get this whole thing done. And we had to, we had to finish. There was no like, well, we'll go back and get that because we were going to Prague. And when we, when we were in Prague, they would be bulldozing the sets. So yeah, that was it. I, I, you know, I remember trying to, I don't think the actors truly understood all the time, the pressure we were under and, and, um, until after they saw it, they were like, whoa, how did we make this? Um, so I think that that was kind of a surprise for them. But the, me, the DPs, the crew, we were like, this is insane. I've, none of us had ever done anything like that. So when you guys came back, um, you go to Comic-Con, you film in Europe, you come home. And uh, Drew, you're, I, I guess you're sort of doing the first cut of the <sighs> second half of the finale. Um, no. Sat- no, 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 no. <laughs> no Drew, Drew is starting back at episode six, right? Uh, yeah, three, right? Was it three? Oh, yeah, yeah, episode three because three. we were in Prague. So, so we had to go do is because we were going to Prague. There's, you know, the whole Prague sequence with uh, Jennifer in the museum, uh, alternate Jennifer that we're shooting that now, um, right. and and then you're shooting the Nazi house, and then you're shooting the Middle Ages. So. Um, there's a lot of incomplete episodes that you have to go in order. So the finale was sort of this thing that was on ice for a while, right? Well, yeah. well I mean, they, people go cut and work on it for a bit, but it, we had to, we had to go back and make sure 
one, two, three, four, like they were all working in order. Yeah. So it was, it was almost like a, you know, like a, like a premium cable HBO type experience where everything was open. Basically they finished in Toronto. No shows were locked. Everything, all the edits were still open. They all had holes. So they finished the finale and he goes to Prague and they're filming all of these scenes for all the episodes in season four. You know, some of them more than other. The Nazi episode was almost entirely done in Prague. So, we, you know, Chris cut that episode. He, he, he had almost nothing, you know. So then they finished Prague and now we're on the, the, the sprint at the end of we have to go back to the first episode and we have to put, cut all the Prague scenes in. And so it was nice because we could start in order and we could kind of go through and we were locking episodes with Terry in order, but it helped because we had everything and, you know, we had all the material, but we could, you know, we could set things aside. Oh, this is a cool thing we can come back to later. Or maybe there's something we can, you know, cheat in here that'll, that will, you know, that will answer later, you know, because the edits were all fluid at that point. So it was cool, you know, that we were doing that. But the problem was that, we we had to go through and and finish all of the episodes in order before we could then jump on the finale and like what Terry was saying they had two units shooting the amount of footage was was exponential so as Terry was you know wiped out from you know finishing the draft of these things we're all wiped out because we've been you know finishing the whole season up until that point so luckily we had the christmas break kind of came right at the perfect time where we could all kind of go home and decompress for two weeks. And then, um, and then it was like finale time, you know, full on finale time. And it really helped, um, you know, so we could just tackle this monster of an episode. So what, in terms of putting it together, cause I mean, one of the things when you go back and once you sort of know what happens, you all do such, I mean, it's an emotional roller coaster, but also ha- trying, you know, there's action going on in three different places. How do you, you know, where it's like exciting and then you kind of feel like your team's on the ropes and then you have sort of like Deacon's epic return, right? It's like an up and down and up and down. Um, I imagine that must be challenging to try and figure out how you're going to maintain oh, yeah. that tension and those ebbs and flows. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the great thing about having Drew and, and and Chris is they'll they'll put it down for you and they'll shift it around because in the script it might not necessarily have been one hundred percent in that order you know because you're now like okay well what feels right what's going to keep this thing really moving along so that might mean you're coming back to you're going from Jennifer and Cassie running into the communication center and then just a couple shots of Cole getting shot and ducking for cover and then coming back so. That's just about having really talented uh, editors uh, with with amazing taste. Because then they're adding the score, the, the temp score down, which helps keep the momentum going. Um, and then there's times when I've been like, "No, we need to, we need even more momentum," you know, because um, it just doesn't feel. Or I, I start to get insecure about what I shot. I mean, I had no idea what was. I mean. Uh, I I was working so hard, my brand melted. And then, I, like I said, we did Comic-Con and then we did Prague for two months. And then I took like a four-week sojourn and went to Paris and London to go record at Abbey Roads with Stephen and Emily Hampshire. So by the time I got back, I was like, I don't even want to see a fucking frame. 
of the finale. Uh, like I, I can't, I don't even know how bad I screwed it up because you don't know. I mean, you think you got it, but you might not have. Um, and so, so it's up to Drew and Chris to just sit there. And, and one of the other horrible things I did is I didn't cut. So most of the time when you, when you get, to, when you're shooting a scene, you know, if it works great, you yell cut, or if it doesn't work, you yell cut. And that gives, Everybody time, when you yell cut, everybody, um, the crew tends to their business. They go fix hair. They go wardrobe. Everybody starts talking and shuts down the thing. But when you have no money and your time is like you have two hours to get this scene, I don't cut. I'm just like, okay, we're going to still roll. I'm going to dish out a couple of orders. Everybody still be quiet. Don't Everybody don't go scrambling for craft service and fixing a light or whatever. That doesn't need to be fixed. Let's just keep going say the line again you just need every puzzle piece so that means that poor drew and chris will be like oh cool they'll sit down to cut and there's a there's a take that goes 45 minutes where they have to now watch all 45 (laughs) minutes and and be like okay i can keep this i can keep this okay someone's talking here she's picking her nose here i can't do this so so and that's just twice the amount of editorial time it's so difficult for them but it was the only way to shoot it and shoot it well and get the performances especially when you have scenes where there's like six or seven people in it like standing around the situation table uh, the evidence room you know like you got to get everybody and they're all goofing off and having a good time and it's like you know senior year in their last class you know they're all itching to get out so you have to keep these actors wrangled you know, and in the zone, it's hard. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, I got to give a shout out to, uh, our awesome assistant editors, Evan Heiss and Johnny Converse, who, uh, that, that's his real name, by the way, is Johnny Converse. He's got like the best superhero <laughs> name, um, that, th- that they have the, you know, you know, yeah, it's hard enough to watch through a 45 minute take, but they have to go through and add markers for us, which, which thankfully they do of, you know, Here's a reset. Here's, you know, here's an action. Here's a whole new take. Here's part of a take. Here's, you know, just this line read. And sometimes they'll add notes for us. And they're like, you know, here's a three different line reads of this one thing, you know, where sometimes Terry will say, hey, just do, do this, you know, do this moment, just this, just this moment, like three different ways. So we have some options. So, I mean, luckily we had them to kind of wrangle some of the stuff that made it more palatable. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but. I mean, like Terry is saying, there's no other way to do it. You know, when you call cut, you, you lose so much time having to get everybody, you know, up to start again. So it was like the only way that, you know, that he could do it. And, and glad that he did because we had, we always had options. We had plenty of stuff. There was, you know, oh, we want a different, you know, he wants a different reaction from Jones. Let's dig, here we go. Let's dig in. We got, we got a 40 minute take on Jones here. Like what moment? And sometimes, you know, Terry would be giving notes to, you know, Aaron, uh, you know, or Kirk and Jones would have this great reaction. And you're like, Oh, this is like, this is perfect. And it's just totally, you know, not in the moment, but it works great. So it actually was, was helpful for a lot of it because we had lots and lots of options for stuff. It's eye opening for me in terms of the, you know, when you see, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've worked on this was definitely after sort of 20 years of doing this and I worked on a lot of a lot of movies and I realized 
on this show the, how little I'd seen of the editorial process because usually when a composer comes aboard, yeah, the edit's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and they're not going through this process of, of 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 going from the footage. So you sort of see the actors' performances, and you're like, "Oh, it's great!" And then you know, I, I I for the first time on on Twelve Monkeys, I think I realized that you know any actor who's going up to accept an Oscar or an Emmy or any of these things, uh, if the first person they don't they thank isn't the editor, then 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 they're out of their minds because it's <laughs> literally the degree to which it is actually built. Uh, and it's you know yeah they have to do good work but the, the degree to which the editor then builds the performance uh, is, is 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 I think people would be shocked by the degree to which that often is the case and how and how something that didn't quite go right can be turned into 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 gold or or, or I guess you could do it the other way I mean I mean I guess you could have a good performance you know get screwed up by the editor but it's 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 there's it's such a balancing act and I'd never. From someone who'd worked deeply in film for a long time, I had never seen the degree to which that's true. Um, it's it's mind blowing. With today's technology, I mean, uh, I mean, you can you can save an actor. Believe me, yeah, you can save. Like, you, you, yes, there are actors in this show, um, and on all shows that ha- like should be buying their editor a car. Um, and they're and they by the way they're directed too. For instance, for I me, mean, the thing with Drew and I is we can look at it and be like, okay, this is not working. So this is not the right feeling. Um, what can we do? Let's look at everything that this actor has done here. Sometimes there'll be an expression after you've yelled "cut" where they like take a breath or something, and you're like, that use that. Take the sound out of me yelling "cut." You know, use that. That's the right reaction for this. And then you put it in and you're like, that actor looks like a genius. And it's all thanks to the miracle of uh, the Avid. You can also um, do this thing called fluid morph, which, I mean, Drew can explain better than I can. But there are some actors who um, some have taken, sometimes they've taken a giant pause. And you're like, Jesus Christ, our runtime is 45 minutes. And they'll say, one line and <laughs> the Shatner approach. The Shatner, and you're like, well, I can't. And if you cut away, it looks cutty. You know what I mean? Like if you cut away, it's like you just cut to somebody reacting while someone else is talking. You could do that a little bit to 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 bring them together. But sometimes it's you have to cut within the frame, and so you can if as long as that actor uh, jump in this is your your thing but i yeah. i'm still amazed by this but like if as long as that actor hasn't moved too much you can actually cut out those pauses and then run this computer generated fluid morph that you never notice that you've cut out the pause yeah it's uh, it's pretty cool i i actually learned this from chris 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 worked on uh, mad men he edited on mad men and uh he had to he had to refine this technique because on mad men uh matt the showrunner didn't didn't want you to overlap any any dialogue, he, meaning you couldn't cut away if you needed to tighten someone up or fix something. You had to be on them when they were talking. So, so he developed this technique, and then I learned from him, and I'm I'm so glad that I did because it's a, it's a invaluable tool. But yeah, basically you can just cut frames out. The program then will will create new frames that that match. So it basically, you never if you can do it right, you never notice that there was a second lifted out 12 frames sometimes we've cut whole we've cut a whole line out in the finale there, there's a part with cole and jennifer on the beach where he says another line that's gone but we're on his face and we fluid morph through it so you can't even tell that we lifted a line 
Wow. So it's like, yeah, so you can do, and, and it's for everything. Sometimes the scene just feels flat and the performances are good, but you just want some more energy. So you can go in and you can just pull frames out between dialogue and then suddenly a performance has more energy and without doing, you know, what Terry was talking about of just, you know, cutting away all the time, you know, which can just be cutty and be distracting. Um, so it's, you know, how, how to give the most elegant presentation of it. Um, you know, so, so that's a tool and we can also do, we also do split screens where we're splitting one actor from another and then we're tightening a performance maybe, or we're, you know, we're having someone leave the scene early, you know, again, just because the scene changed. So all kinds of tools. And yeah, with the finale of this, we used all of the tools that we had to, uh, you know, to, to make it work as, as well as we could. The oh, first time I saw the fluid move done, I was like, I drew, I was like, oh yeah, he was like, oh, here it is. And he, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was, it was maybe, it was speeding something up. And, and just watching that done in real time is, 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 it's almost scary, actually. It's the degree to which, and, and how good it looks. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's imperceptible. It's not like some sort of goofy effect. If it's done well, you, you don't know that it's there. No, 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 no ways. Uh, it's amazing. Yes. Actors should send the editors food and flowers and baskets. <laughs> and we love, we love the, the actors. I mean, they do, they do do it. The, the actors do great work. I mean, it's, 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 it's no, no denigration to them, but like the, the definitely the difference between the, 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 the dailies and the, and the final footage, I think would blow most people away. Yeah. That is fascinating, especially because, you know, when you hearing how under pressure you all were, and how little time you have. And I know like these actors have been with these characters, you know, for several years, but there are, there are many scenes in this finale, whether it's, you know, Amanda Shules, I am owed, or, you know, the monologue that Aaron Stanford gives on the balcony that like, as the audience, you're like in awe of the acting, right? Like series long, wow, that was just really, really good. So it's just fascinating to hear. You know, but that's much more a, team effort. <laughs> there's a funny story about that I am owed uh, scene because, um, you know, when you when you shoot these things, you shoot, uh, you typically shoot on two sides, meaning you set up your, your camera to face, in that case, uh, in that scene, the I am owed scene, you have uh, Cassie Cole on one side of the table, uh, Jennifer sitting on the end facing Jones and I think maybe Adler, right? And um, so you your crew can't get all, you know, can't be in every direction because you'll see the camera, right? So you start in one direction. So you'll start, we, in that case, we started behind Amanda um, so that we were on Jones. And at one point during that, and sometimes that's great, right? Because it gives... Amanda a chance to play around, to warm up, really get to where she's going to be. And there was like one take where she just fucking crushed that moment, but it was not on camera at all. And, and everyone just like, it was over. We all cut and everyone was gasping. I walked over, I hugged her. I was like, Oh my God, that's going to do just like that. When we turn around just like that. (laughs) So then we turned around and she had been doing it now for three hours and she had nothing left and she and so she was just she kept trying to chase that performance that was in our heads that we you know 
And then finally, it's like, just let it all go. Just let it all go. And, and she got, I mean, she got there 100%. But it's, it's one of those tricky, frustrating things about just shooting television is, you know, some people, some actors, really clever actors, won't give, will barely give anything when the camera's not on them, you know, and save their juice for the close up, you know, um, Kirk, that's his style. He's like, it's not really on me. I'll give you, I'll give enough for the other actor to respond. But then when the camera goes on, then that's really when he, he, he digs in. So it's uh, different styles about that. I don't know why I decided to tell that story, but why not? Well, <laughs> well no, because you know, no, I think it's interesting, Terry, because I think it goes into like, you know, how we can put this stuff together too, is that a lot of times Chris and I, for line reads, we'll look at their, at people's off screen line reads. And sometimes we'll put stuff in their mouths on camera because you want something that's like with Amanda, if she was giving something more impassioned, but we're on Jones, well, let's listen to it. And it might fit into her mouth on her takes. And then you have, you know, some of the energy from the performance. And while you weren't actually shooting her now that we're seeing her, you know, or someone's giving a little too much, we want something a little less. And so like with Kirk, maybe his off screen thing was a little less or more thrown away, we can just put it, that audio in his mouth and then, you know, calibrate his performance. I mean, you know, the, it, you have to give credit to the actors, especially on this, because they, they give you so much. The Aaron on the balcony with Cassie was like four or five t- full takes of him doing this. And, and Terry and I watched through each and every one to find the best moments from him. And he brought it every single time. I don't know how he did it because it's like such an emotionally devastating thing. He had to keep doing it. Um, so you have to give them credit, but you know, at the same time, we're, we're trying to make them look as good as possible with all the tools, you know, that, that we can to, you know, make them the star and make them, you know, make them as great as they can be. Meaning you're taking (laughs) a line that someone said from a different take and putting it in the mouths of the take that actually is in the final edit. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. It's, like, I know. It's, like, yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. But yeah. It's, yeah. Because, you know. I guess it. I guess it could also save you from 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 the dreaded ADR because some actors. I mean, some actors are just like appalling at ADR, and you, you if you've got them off camera saying the line, and your boom operator's done his job, then then you potentially have four or five ADR takes for free. So. Yeah, because a lot of ah. times they're they're mic'd up at all times, and especially with scenes like the evidence room where it's controlled, it's on a soundstage, you know, so the audio, it's usually universally pretty good. Um, but yeah, you're able to take stuff. So it's just another layer of of stuff that Chris and I will listen to. We'll literally listen to all the off-screen takes sometimes of lines, you know, after we've, uh, you know, after we've cut a scene and be like, is there something better? Like, did they say it better, not on camera, that, you know, that we can cheat in there and, you know, kind of, so yeah, there, we we literally it's weird with actors because it feels like I know them so intimately because you look at their face all the time and you're also listening to their voice all the time about their every little inflection and things that they're doing. Um, so it always feels weird when you meet an actor because you're just like, I know you, and they're like, Who are you? <laughs> it's a really, it, it, it's the funniest thing is people often say like, Oh, you know, do, do you do you get starstruck with like some of these people? And it's like, it's you never get starstruck. It's just the weirdest experience. Uh, taught, you know, because we'll watch the footage of them over and over and over and over again, down to the point where I know every single little inflection of every single piece of, of, of footage that that. And that I know one tenth of what true true is seen. Um, 
but but then you meet them in person and then it's sort of like it's a it's a it's it's a very strange experience and it's 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 not at all starstruck it's just weird <laughs> um, yeah um that's awesome that's so interesting um we wanted to jump in to um we just selected some either fan favorite or particular uh moments where it really felt like the editing and the music all came together in to some of our favorite moments of of the series finale uh the first one is the is the piece we need everyone and on the soundtrack it's it's it, it kind of flows as one piece, but in the show, people are sort of thinking it's the first part is sort of as we watch the puzzle pieces of future asshole fall into place um, and editing back in things that we saw in 301 that we didn't really, or 401 that we didn't fully understand what was going on. And then it goes to sort of the, we need friends and family and then going back to brothers. And I was just curious to hear about how you all, you know, it's, it's one of those instances on the show where you're putting a puzzle piece together and the music takes you on such a journey of both sort of this feeling of discovery and awe as you see it all come together, but then also this, you know, going back to brothers um, and bringing Ramsey back is, you know, there's a lot of emotion there. So I write to music um, sometimes um, on a loop. So if, if I was writing that scene and it took two hours, then I probably had a piece that I was playing for two hours to keep me in that zone of what I wanted to feel. So sometimes that gets burned in my brain a little bit. Um, and uh, I, we, I forget what I, I remember kind of what we, what we had going there, but there, there was definitely a feeling of pieces coming together. It was written as an intercut uh, where um, he's talking to Cassie. Cassie is um, saying, you need to go get Ramsey. And then you start to cut to him doing that. And so the discovery is part of this, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes it works on the page and it doesn't work when you get the footage, but that's just one of those things where we put it together when we put this temp down and we just kept um, playing with it and, and adjusting where the music got big and where it got small, make sure it wasn't over the top. Um, and then um, by the time you're done with that cut and that temp score, you have to go sit with Steven and be like, we want this, but it can't be this music. Um, so what can you do? And and then, then it comes down when, when Steven's like, talks like that's Terry is like, cause there was definitely a synth pulse that I wanted uh, during that. Um, so poor Steven's got to be like, what about this one? Nah, what about this one? It's like um, um, Lucy in the Charlie Brown Christmas special where she's like, play me jingle bells. And <laughs> poor Schroeder is trying to play all the better versions of jingle bells until he finally hits plink, plink, plink. Plink, plink, plink. And she's like, that's it. So There's a lot of me um, being Lucy there. Um, 
and then and then Stephen has to go compose and be a genius and make all that work somehow on a single piece of music. So the trick, I think, the trickiest part of that a cue like that is 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 because you're riding the line between the audience and between the story. So you've got this idea that. You know, we as an audience, uh, it, it, that's a fun scene because you're like, okay, you said, you know, that everyone's go, oh, are they going to do what I think they're going to do? Oh, yeah, they're going to do it. Um, and it's this feeling, you, you want that feeling of sort of expectation and you want that feeling. And so there's an element where the music there is coming from, from sort of the audience perspective. But then there's also the element where it's coming from the other side as well. And it's coming from the story perspective. And it's so, uh, it's, you, you, you're riding a very thin line and, you know, tonally, you know, you want it to be fun, but it also wants to feel serious. I mean, it doesn't want to feel like goofy or or stupid. It doesn't. It wants. It wants to. It wants to have just that little bit of uh, of, of of a sort of a, a, almost like we're slightly winking to the audience, but we're not because you never want to actually do that. But it's it's just this feeling of sort of uh, oh, 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 where are we going now? And um, you know, it's the only way you can really do that is to kind of throw things at the wall and see what sticks um you and everyone you i mean everyone in you know the, the funniest thing about you know when you play music to really to to anybody but, uh, uh, you know when you're when you're watching uh you know a lot of directors you know when i first worked with them i was sort of very worried about like oh you know what do i say musically what you know what, what how do i give you notes and but the the funniest thing is is everyone knows when it works i mean you you you, you, you know when it's right um, and I think, I think even funny enough, someone who was just, just a sort of completely sort of lay person coming up the street who'd never seen, who'd never seen the process of what we do would still, I think, if you watch something with, with the music where it's really working, go, yeah, that, that, that feels, that feels good. And you, you just, it's that, it's a very, very fine balancing act. Um, and you, there's only one way to do it, which is just to throw things at it and see what, see what works. Um, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's the process. Sometimes we have to, uh, you know, try thirty different versions before we hit the hit the hit the nail on the head. But it's it's all in service of does it feel right? It's exactly what what Steven's talking about, and he he did such a phenomenal job. You, you want that? Yeah, you, we wanted that. Like you know, you've seen these pieces before. You know, it's a time travel show. I think you know what we're gonna do now. We're gonna show you the other side of you know of these pieces. So it's a nice it's a nice gratifying moment for the audience where you're like, Oh boy, like, here we go. You know, we're going to get the pieces. The other part of the puzzle is going to start to come in now. So it's it's a cool moment, and you know, I mean, Stephen did a phenomenal job with it. Really, it's like 
it's so satisfying when you watch you just have a you can't help but smile at you know oh yes this is this you know these moments of it uh it's uh it's super fun and and going back to editorial tricks uh when when cole grabs ramsey we flash back to that episode uh we basically had to hunt through all the footage to find a good spot of ramsey and then we shot cole on a green screen to grab him and actually put it you know put it together kind of in visual effects after the fact um so we could show it on camera because we didn't when they shot that that was from season three um Yeah, we could. We knew we were gonna. We knew we were gonna go back, but you, you, there was no way we were gonna go back to that location and make it snow again. It was that was real right. snow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were like, that was real screen snow. Screen That's in. cool. You know, that's why. But, but instead of doing something, you know, off camera or you know, oh, we just went back and grabbed Ramsey. We didn't see it. We're we really were trying. Chris and I are really trying to figure out how we could show it on camera to be like, this is the mo-, you know what I mean. So this is that moment, and we're directly connecting with it as, as the audience. So this is where we pulled Ramsey from. So we know when he goes back exactly where he's going back to. It's not, we don't need to explain it via dialogue or something happens off camera. So it just was one of those fun, let's hunt through all the footage and find this good moment of Ramsey. And can we get Cole to grab him and, you know, make this beat up. So uh, I, I think it turned out, yeah, it's such a, such a cool little section in the, in that first part of the finale that you're, yeah, setting the table for what's to come. Yeah, I mean, you're just when you said you're just grinning at the screen. There's this like shot of Cassie kind of walking toward the camera as like the horns are, go- and you're just like it's almost like the editing is like to the rhythm of the music, and it's just oh, so good. I wanted to turn because it is a fan favorite moment. It was a moment when I was watching it that I, like as an audience member, was both sure that we were never going to see Cole again at the end. Um, but the proposal scene, um, both the music and, you know, the location. Um, I don't know if the sunset was something you all added in, but just how it, the emotion to it, the music, it thematically sets up the whole balcony scene. Um, we just love to hear about how you all put that scene together, I guess, sort of production wise, but then adding the music to it. Well, it was, uh, you know, a lot of people were helping out with this finale. I mean, I remember, you know, if, if you want poetry, you call Chris. And I remember I was like, Chris, I, I, I want like, uh, he, he's going to bring her to the beat. He's going to propose. And I know there's some metaphor here about the setting sun and whatnot and time and like we you know really for a year talked about the themes of that finale which is you know um the journey the journey is uh makes it all worth it you know it's the old dr seuss thing that don't cry but because it's over laugh because it happened or smile because it happened or something like that so that that was the feeling uh, that we wanted, which was kind of meta about the end of the story, but it was also about the end of Cole. So Chris took the first pass at that, um, the setting sun bit. So we knew we had to shoot that. Now we're shooting in Toronto. That's not a real ocean. That's a lake. Um, that's like the Michigan, Michigan lakes or whatever the big lake is right there. Um, so, and it, there's only like one beach. <laughs> <laughs> really Toronto. So we had to so we had to go there it was a real pain in the ass we were getting eaten by mosquitoes um you know we had to shoot that we had to shoot his revival in the sand all on the same day 
literally the same day it was the you know the bit with jennifer uh finding him on the beach and then we were also like 50 miles away at the house in the morning for the for um cassie uh at the house and then cole finding her and um the last shot of the series. Oh my God. That's so, an emotional day. My God. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, but it, the, the panic that you only have one shot at this. Right. So, and um, there was a gigantic storm literally coming um, just like in the, the show <laughs> um, that we had, or like we have an hour and a half to get all of this before it's going to rain and pour and we'll probably, we will not be able to come back and get this. So you're just running on adrenaline, trying to get shot for shot um, as many as you can. Um, and I remember we had the morning was Cassie seeing Cole again and her monologue and sitting on the porch and the see you soon moment. So by the time we got to the beach and she was being proposed to, she was exhausted. She was absolutely exhausted. She's like, I, I can't, I feel, she's like, I feel like I need to be in tears when he gives me the ring. And I'm like, just, you're okay. It's all going to be fine. We got you. Don't worry. But yeah, that, that's the kind of, um, that's when it's really hard to be an actor. Uh, when you've already like given all you can give at the first half of the day and you still have huge things to do at the end. Uh, yeah. To Terry's point, this, the Amanda thing actually ended up working out because I remember Chris was trying really hard to get her to feel like this is amazing. Like this is the most amazing moment when he proposes and it just can never quite get it. And then Terry came in to look at it and he's like, no, 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 no. Like she has to look like this is the worst thing he could do right now. Like mm. do, doing this is like, she has to have the, almost the opposite reaction to it. And so her being exhausted actually helped tremendously because it was kind of there, you know, she was spent, you know, from filming it. And it came across that like him doing this is just making it so much harder for her to let go that, you know, that he's, she knows he has to erase himself after this. So, you know, why, why are you doing this to me? What, why are you making it harder for me? So it actually was one of those kind of serendipitous things that actually in the end worked out really well, I think. Well, it also yeah. provided some wonderful gift fodder for me to upset Tina over and over and over. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> She's yeah, Beep has created uh, probably uh, like over 200 gifts now of the show for the world. Um, and that one, she likes to really twist the knife. It is the saddest <laughs> proposal in the history of television. But yeah, what you're saying, that makes sense, right? Because the whole, from her perspective, is this isn't enough, right? You'd almost feel. It's kind of underscoring how unfair it all is. So that's so interesting. Yeah, and I think it helps set it up, you know, helps, helps to set her journey up later, especially if you want to sell that she's not going to stop this thing. You know, we need to. That, that's, for me, that's where that yeah. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I said it earlier, that was a huge concern. I mean, especially like at the beginning of season two, and I still see it on Twitter and it drives me crazy. There's a lot of people like, God, Cassie's such a bitch. You know, I've, I've said this over, and, me, and oh boy, if it makes me mad, it, it drives Amanda up a fucking roof. But so <laughs> it was her that the fact that how can she be mean to Cole 
in the beginning of season two. And I was like, how is nobody following? It's miso- it's misogyny. It's pure misogyny that for whatever reason, Cole, Cole could just be a raging nightmare tornado in her life. And she just has to be like there to support him a hundred percent. Um, and her fiance burns to death in front of her. And then he picks to side, not kill Ramsey, the man who like said all this and actually, you know, and then she's not allowed to be upset at the beginning of season two. Anyway. So to protect, to really make sure that journey was sound so that that didn't, that, that resentment didn't happen. We just set all these, this, you know, structurally these moments. So, so that it would work. So when she, when she stepped back from the machine and said, no, I'm not turning it off. You're like, it's more of course, unless, uh, (gasps) gasp, you know, right. Um, was what we were trying to do. I'd love to talk about the piece uh, called Cassie's Choice for that moment. Um, yeah, I'll have to apologize to Stephen, Stephen for this because <laughs> he had he had about 170 different versions. Yeah, well, well, this this was one where you, you know it's the, 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 there are all these moments where you. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it, it's one of those things where, where people are often like, oh, you know, is this, is this, is this you know, when you're on version 60 of something, does it, you know, they're like, is, but some of, the, some of these things take that. Some of these, these moments are so, I mean, you, you're looking at the culmination really of, of, I mean, God knows how, how many hours I don't have off the top of my head, uh, you know, 30 hours of a, of a huge story arc. And, and the, the, it's interesting that, you know, people always say, oh, you know, when something works like this, they're like, oh, I like the arcs of how this feels. It's like, I mean, one of the, one of the critical things is that you, you have to, you, you, there are times where you, you know, you can hold back on a payoff. And then there are times where you, you have to pay off. You, like the story has, has got to have. Uh, you know, an emotional feeling that, that, that gets there. Because if you don't, uh, you know, sort of even underpaying that by a little bit, um, you know, you're nowhere. You're, you're not, not even close. It's like you either hit that target or, or, or you, or you, or you, uh, or you completely miss it. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of it's very sort of, you know, kind of experiential. I mean, it's like you're, you're trying to, you're playing, playing a piece of music and everyone's sitting watching it and you're sort of, you know, you're trying to trying to figure out whether that's right, and and it, it can, it's never about whether how good it is as a bit of music. It can often just be does this does this does this give us the feeling that we we feel we've earned at this point. Um, and so you know that it, it, that one took a few goes, <laughs> but uh, but that's that's good. I mean, that's that's what it should be. Um, yeah, but that was one of those cases where um, any any other composer should have just kicked me out of the room, um, and. You know, the thing about Steven is he's so collaborative where I'm like, no, no, it's got to be small. Or it's got to be a synth. And then he'll play like three chords. I'm like, great. No, just just play those chords again. Just in that sequence. Okay, now play those again. Just keep doing that. And let's write, you know what I mean? And like, it, um, what's awesome about Steven is he's like, he's down to play. Like, there's, there's, at that point, there's no ego for any of us. We're just trying to make it work. And I think there's like this moment where like he, where both Drew, I think Drew, you were in the room too. I'm like, well, what if we do a key change? And everybody's like, you're like, what? I'm like, just what if there's a key change? I, and like, will that will that work? And um, I think it ended up working. 
you know, I think, I mean, it's in the, it's in the piece and it, and it, like, like the key changes there to a different thing, but it, it gives you this rising sense of grandness, but like any, I mean, that's just a situation. And again, I think this is why Drew and Stephen, we love each other. And we want to do this again as we all kind of have the same taste about what works and doesn't work. Like there, there are moments where we'll try something and then we can all look at it and we're like, okay, that didn't, we, we know instantly that that didn't, that what was it? Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's go back. We we fucked that up. Um, uh, so, but like it, it's, it, it's a really interesting puzzle because even the temp piece that we had in there was the piece that, uh, that I wrote the sequence to over like the last year, like the thing that I'm building to. And even that didn't work perfectly. Right. Um, so we, and, and we had to alter that piece and take things out of that piece, um, to sort of make it work with the picture. So it was really hard. I think it's the last piece really, truly that was, uh, a dangling Chad right before yeah. we mixed it. And, yeah. and it was, it was terrifying because it was maybe the most important moment. I mean, it's, it, there's an interesting thing where, you know, there's a, you know, you take a, a moment like that and it, it's uh, one of the craziest things is, is, is that sometimes what you want from a piece of music, uh, you, you actually have to do the opposite of a, a really a good example. And this sort of falls into this category a little bit of sometimes, you know, what, what feels big. And, and one of the things that, that you could say about the scene is like, uh, you know, it's the end of the world. It's this biblical moment. Uh, and, you know, uh, sometimes more going on is actually less and, and actually doesn't serve and so it's one of those things where you know sort of sometimes and this is this is why it's great you know i've been great working with, with, with terry on these things because because he's what well, i think someone who understands that and sometimes you know a director will say no i need it bigger i need it bigger and i'll just keep adding stuff and that actually every time it, it's a you, you you we always in audio we have this concept of headroom and it's basically this idea of like you only have a certain amount of space to fill i mean technically you really do only have a certain amount of space to fill and the more things you put into that space, the smaller each one of those things has to be. Um, so sometimes, you know, you know, people think, oh, big, uh, oh, I have to have a, you know, a 90 piece symphony orchestra, I'll add a 120 piece symphony orchestra and you go bigger and, and it ends up sounding smaller in context. And so, and it was an interesting thing whether with some of the synth elements in there where there's actually a lot less going on. Uh, in that track. And it's actually, it's not very fast. I think I remember correctly. It's, just, it's quite slow and it's like, you know, it's it's one of those moments where actually the more you draw it out and the, the more I took out, 
the better it got. And it's one of one of those things where with with I was able with to have sort of Terry sit there in the room and sort of play things and be like, that's feeling right, that's not, that's feeling right, that's not. Let's try muting that and see what happens. Um and you know, as a as a composer, it's one of those things where, you know, you can get into these spirals of the, you know, keep writing pieces and sort of feeling like you don't know what you're what you're honing in on. And I've you know I've been been there on a few few projects where you know, I'm on version 60 and I'm like, oh God, what, what the hell do I do here? What the, does anyone know what they want? But, but it is that you're after that feeling, um, and often taking away. And I think that's, that's a really good example of like, you know, musically, there's actually a lot less going on there than one might think. Um, and it's, you know, it's uh, calibrating that is, it's, there's, there's no, there's no book on how you do that. You just try it and everyone sits in a room and watches it and goes, how do we feel? Yeah, and and serious credit to Stephen on that one. Uh, that he was just so willing to roll up his sleeves and and make it right. You know, like we had, you know, he was having stuff. that was like, man, this is this is good. It's just you're like almost. You know what I mean? It was just you're like, but it's like, what is it? And it's hard to give notes or you know say anything more than just like almost. And yeah. I mean, to Steven's absolute credit, he just was like, well, let, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's mute this. Let's try, maybe we do this. All kind of just throwing everything at it until finally it was clicking, you know, and it just, it just took trying stuff in that one to really get it right. Not, not okay, but right. And I, you know, I think, I think we did it in the end. And I mean, credit to Steven to that he was willing to, you know, to just try stuff, try everything to you know figure out this one moment which i think is probably one of the biggest moments of the whole you know of the series finale uh you know maybe the show entirely because you know wh- what does she choose here in this moment there's an interesting thing with about what whether when what what makes a show work and what makes a crew work and what makes any of these things you know how, how do you do good good things and and there's a, a two really interesting things. One is that you know, when whenever I'm playing a piece of music to 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 everybody else, I I, I know before I hit stop uh, whether it's going to work or not, or whether it's flown or not. I know, I know it's just because there's a, a feeling, and with you get uh, you just you just know. Um, but then the second one is that is that there's you know when a, a, a show is good, um, and my sort of benchmark of you know if this thing is is good that we're we're all working on it is that. Uh, and and also the sort of the, the, the job of a showrunner really is is to inspire the, the, the every you know I I would wouldn't have rested until that moment was right and until Terry was happy with that moment because you know we we all get to this sort of level of investment where we want we want we want everybody else to be happy with it you know so um and and you and you you feel it you know when when the the, the sort of you know when everyone else is oh yeah we we've we've hit the spot I mean and it, there's no there's no cheating that. Um, you, 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 there's no way for someone to be like, yeah, I love it and not love and actually not love it and, and, and for us to not know. So, you know, when you get a show where you have that, that, that level of investment, then, then I think, you know, you've got your hands all winner. Yeah. There's something about that scene that I think sort of represents why the show works as well as it does is because even with the editing and the music, the stakes are both on one level like the fate of the universe <laughs> hanging in the balance, but it also is firmly focused on these two people, 
right? Like in that moment, it's two people talking to each other. And the way the editing cuts back and forth between faces, right? Like when it cuts to Cole closing his eyes, it's because he already knows what the problem is, right? And it's there's so much that you all did, even with, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the, but the, the fact that the synth in this piece is so front and center as an audience member, you associate all of those images that you guys are cutting back and forth to the house of cedar and pine with that season two episode with that song we talked about last time, love and deletion. Um, when we were cutting back from the house of cedar and pine to Titan, that was also very synthy, if that makes sense. So even the music yeah. is sort of recalling the audience's feelings about these memories, if that makes sense. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, I don't know if Love and Deletion is there in that piece. The sense? I think, I think, I think, I think you're, you're right on, on, on the, tone, the tone of it for sure, though. And, and how, how specifically intentional it was, I, I, I can't really remember, but, uh, but I think it was more the, it, it there's, there's, there's a shared feeling between those moments where, you know, where it's one of those things where also, you know, often, often where with sort of orchestral stuff is like you can you can often end up with i sometimes jokingly call it sort of orchestral beige where where you know orchestral you know that if, if you have a sound of a particular thing that you've established that that, that becomes something that's that's a that's a sort of a, a bench point so whenever you deviate from that whenever you bring something else else some element in that's that's that that that's sort of seemingly incongruent with that that gives you the you, you it can either feel incongruent or it can feel like you've shifted up a gear and, and the ultimate thing with that scene was what it needs to do emotionally is shift you into a gear that you didn't even know was there you're like you're in sixth and you didn't know this car had a seventh gear and you've got it. and so that's 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 the feeling that we're going for there um and that and, and that ironically is less a lot less elements than you know, it's not like we suddenly found like twelve extra trombones to throw into the mix. It's actually we pulled a lot of stuff out. Um, but because of that, that one element is taking up all of the space, and so that element feels huge compared to all of the things that have gone before it. So you know, that's it's it's one of those. But 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 that I wouldn't say we we sort of like went at that sort of knowing that that's what we would do. Um, that was just purely trying things, trying things out, trying things out, and then going, oh, hang on a minute, that, that feels good. And sort of, you know, we, I, it's actually one of those ones where you can sort of often, you can sort of Monday morning quarterback and go, yeah, yeah, that seemed like, but, but that, I, we, we definitely didn't plan to do that. That's just trial and experiment. We talked about the goodbyes. So we wanted to talk about the piece, the final splinter. Um, and, you know, really how in some ways this is the culmination of Cole's journey and the sort of, you know, this is the time Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. And the music sort of tells that story because it begins with that sort of recalling those kind of ancient sounds you all we've associated with the mythology, but then it just crescendos as we hear sort of the world, like we see the world being healed. And, you know, it, it's a, it's both a beautiful, but it's also like a devastating scene that Cole has to do this alone.
this is one of the things for funny, funny enough when you, when you have the the, the 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 privilege of having tunes that you can really rely on and and and, and theme thematic material that you end up in these really interesting moments of like, what tune do we use? What theme do we use? What, what are we actually trying to do? And, uh, and this was one moment where, where Terry was like, sort of, you know, I can't remember. I was, I think I tried a few things on this um, and we'd, we'd had a few goes and, and, and Terry's like, there's this tune uh, from, do you, do you know this tune that was that? And it was the, the, the machine theme from, I think from right back in season one, I think it was in, one of the but anyway so yeah. he's like but it but it, it's nothing like this in its original guys i mean it's it's sort of it's very it's, it's a very different kind of arrangement and tara's like i think that the the you should try that and we played it uh, and we and it was one of those ones where where uh once once you know it's the, a lot of writing music for for for, for, for these kinds of or anything really like this where you're writing writing to, to try and hit a certain thing it, it's it's it when it's like the the who wants to be a millionaire and it's like the, 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 these the, the it's it's who, the, it's a really easy thing if you know the answer to the question um and so once i knew once i knew the answer was oh actually that theme actually writing that piece i think it took me took me about an hour i don't think it took me very long at all but but you know until i knew that i was sort of completely lost on that really. mm-hmm. that is that is, uh, I think I wrote this called Time is Cruel. It's the first time, it's from 102, it's from when Cole first flinters. And it's this sort of grandiose machine theme that uh, Trevor wrote in season one. Uh, you hear it again when Cassie splinters away at the very end. That's It's this big theme uh, at, at the end of uh, 113 when he sends her to the future. Um, and we, we uh, you know, I think you also see it in um, the flashbacks in 109 when like Cole first sees the machine. So it, it was this 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 motif that we used. Um, so we were looking for a musical statement, and we had that in our. Um, I knew we had that, uh, and it had to be big. Um, but then we only had. I mean, Trevor only really had worked out the first part of that melody but then it had to become something else so to say that it the, the credit all goes to trevor is, is not true because steven <laughs> then had to work that to build and build and build and be emotional um and that's not at all that was not written and that's all steven and then we got a live orchestra to to play those strings for us and really make it sing
yeah, it is a really great. Uh, it is one of my favorite pieces. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah. No, it's like you're saying, Terry. It it's it that beginning part of that theme is great, but this this has like we wanted this to feel like this is this is the last we're going to see of Cole. Like this is the end of Cole's story. Yeah, you want to be sure right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think and Steve would, did that, a great job of making it feel like this is final. Like, and we don't know what you know, what did this do? You know, we don't know, but we feel like this is the end of this end of coal. And now we're just going to get the little bit of the aftermath and then we'll be done. You know, and so then that's we'll be the, done, right. You, right. And if you turned, you, if you turned after she says, see you soon sitting on that porch, if you went to black and rolled credits, you'd still be like, oh, okay, well, wow, that's sad. But it, you know what I mean? Like I got, I got everything I wanted, you know? Right. Um, uh, and then you get a dessert if you wait three more seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the timing of that length of that black. I mean, things like how long we go to black and, and you know, the, 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 there and at the end of the, you know, before when, when Cassie's sitting on the porch. I mean, the, those sort of things of like, and it's all about feeling, but we, we went round and round like, where should that final chord land? And like, if we move it a second forward, what does that feel like? We move it a second back. We lengthen the tail of it like two seconds. How should we on, be, be on black for three seconds, four seconds, three and a half seconds? I mean, we right. tried every combination of those things. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like, it's not something where there's any, there's no book on how you do that. You just sit there, play it, watch and go, do I, do, does, that, does that feel right? And, the, and the, the challenge of always doing these things is that, uh, the audience is always watching it for the first time. Well, not always. But, I mean, you can be doing rewatches, but uh, but you know, the first time you experience <laughs> it, you're seeing it for the first time. We're seeing it for the thousandth time, um, and we've we've and we've been putting moving it around. And we know exactly what's going to happen, and you're sort of trying to put yourself in that place of uh, of, of that first watch through again. And it's that's that's really the the, the challenge of this is 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 like. Does, does it give you that feeling um, and trying to gauge what that feeling would be had you not, if you didn't know what was coming. Yeah. We, we spent an inordinate time in the edit, getting the blacks, right? I mean, I think it might be the only time in my editing career, possibly that, that I'm sitting there and we're literally framing black to just watch it again. Is that, you know, is the, is the pause long enough? in these moments to feel like something has ended or like with Cassie on the porch is the pause long enough that you can feel like this is the end of the episode right now. And then, right. you know, and then the, the, the epilogue kicks in. So yeah, we, you know, it was like Steven was saying, we, we were all sitting there framing through how long should these blacks be to get the right feeling for these moments. It was kind of a, it was a fun experiment. It was something I never thought, you know, usually you're framing through, a reaction shot or a line delivery and how do we get the flow of the scene? This was just the blacks on these ends. Get it just right. Oh, he had us. <laughs> I mean, good, good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, particularly also just focusing like on the music, what you have is sort of the epilogue and then the coda. So the epilogue, the, the track is called see you soon and the, and the music and the editing, it, it kind of takes you on this journey where you feel you know, almost bereft of what's missing, which is crazy that you're like nostalgic about a carjacking, essentially. But you turn to the back seat and that seat is empty and it just feels like a, you know, you're getting kicked in the stomach. But the journey, sort of the music takes you on 
as we see where all these characters have ended up, it's almost, you know, I always feel like it's so hard to, you struggle for words. Like it, it's a journey of like healing, like th that the song takes you on, that you get to that final moment on the front step and see you soon. And it's sad, but you're okay with it, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And then you've got the big, you know, then the music sort of, you're like, where am I? Are we in heaven? <laughs> um, and then the piece, Save the One, is another one of these, the puzzle pieces coming together and the music conveys that like awe and wonder as you see Jennifer explain it. This is a really good example of like the, of the idea of, of, of earning something. And it's like, you know, it's great when you get to write these kinds of cues because that that's a cue that if uh, either of those cues, if you stuck them in, in episode two or episode three, they would feel absurdly sentimental like absolutely no way in hell you could go 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 that far um mm. because it would just it would feel unearned that you would just wouldn't have had the sense of oh you know this this is uh, this sort of catharsis and release there um and so you know i think that that was definitely one of those ones where uh i mean the the the, the, the see you soon piece was one uh where uh, I, you know, it was sort of blessed, blessed with an edit that was kind of pretty, pretty was solid right from the get, get go. And Drew, Drew passed it over, said like, you know, but but I think it, it, it had a, a terrific piece of temp track in it as well. Um, that the it was, it, and, and what was clear is that they had to have certain high modes. I mean, you have Ramsey sitting there with with uh, with his son. You have um, uh, you yeah, have the, you have the all Hannah these reveal. Themes. Yeah, the Hannah reveal yeah. is another big. Every one of those needs 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 a, needs a, needs a push and needs a, needs a, needs selling, um, and so I, I kind of it was one of those ones where I had the I had the architecture sort of built for me in a way which was great because I, I knew that I had to to get to a high point here high point there and so I kind of built I sort of set myself up and then and then started trying to sort of write into that architecture and that that's 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 you know that i think if you try to write that piece on with a like blind without the footage it would be nigh on impossible because you know there's no way you sort of be able to hit those beats but then you also want to try and get the sense of, of flow you know because you there, there, there's there's also an idea that because it's sort of almost montage and you're you're kind of you're, you're showing lots of things you you want this feeling of tying everything together and that the music sort of flows through on its own course and it's 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 a tricky balancing act but but you know i was, I was the the edit was what sort of did that really i think that's that kind of oh, got, well, got me there well well thank you no it was it, the music's really beautiful because it it it's like you were saying uh christina that you know it, it feels satisfying but feels like something's missing from it you know what i mean there's, there's that set there's that little bitter sweetness to it that we're getting to see everyone's story and we're not getting this and cole is not a part of it so it's like a nice, it just weaves it so nicely where, like Terry was saying, if you want to end the season, end the series after See You Soon, you'd be like, yeah, that, that was sad, but it was satisfying, but it was sad, you know, that Cole didn't get to be a part of this kind of grand story of these characters. So I think the music does like such a nice job of, of setting that, that very specific tone with it. A really, a really good example of like what, you know, if people want to know what sort of what, what a director and what a showrunner do in terms of like the music is, is, you know, if you look at that last chord of that before it goes to black, we tried so many iterations of exactly where to land that last chord. Cause if you have it, 
uh, too soon and there's too much footage after it or, or there's too much, you know, if, if you land it too soon, it doesn't feel final. If you land it too late, it doesn't leave enough time for the breath before, you know, coming into the next next sequence. So so literally we, we'd shift it forward a half second, we'd shift it back a half second, we'd, we'd, we moved it a million times. Uh, and it's and where it ends up is, you know, that's that's it's yeah, that's that's where you you get sort of you know guidance because you have to feeling where that lands is is just it's it's intuition really, and there's no there's no there's no rhyme or particular reason to it. It's just where it feels right. Yeah, um, we're 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 sitting there grateful, like oh, at least they remembered him. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> right. as good as it's gonna get. Yeah. Um, Terry, you teased about something um, when people were watching the finale about that scene with Ramsey and Sam asking where they were at the Emerson mm. Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add to that? or Why are they at the Emerson Hotel? So interesting. <laughs> weird. So weird. I don't know that. I don't know that. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like, <laughs> did the adventure continue mm. in some way? I mean, look. <laughs> Everybody, like, Ram, here's what you know. In 2043, you got Ramsey, Jones, and um, Jennifer, right? Who else? You got it, anyone, right? Uh, uh, Deacon. Uh, so, yeah, Deacon. You got De- yeah. You got, yeah, Deacon. Um, and um, so they're there. And then you have Cole and Cassie and young Jennifer in the past. I'm just saying that. If there was a version of Project Splinter, a new version to continue, it would very easy. It would be very easy to reunite the group. Just saying. Well, well, Terry. Then this this Just goes saying. back to the bigger question of this episode, though: is that did she turn off the machine? I was going to yeah. ask. Well, no, I think we know. <laughs> literally, literally never did. been a question. Never. That's not it, a question. It doesn't. It look. It, it it doesn't make sense that that it's the Red Force. It just doesn't. It's so weird and specific and like you have to go through so many logic leaps to, to, to make that happen that, um, but you know, Hey, if that's what you want, you can have it. Like there's your ending, you know, right. red forest. Great. You know, I mean, all right. Your characters don't arc, but okay. That's cool. <laughs> or they arc for, for, for the worse, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, entertainingly, I think for everyone having these discussions now and sort of, you know, sort of out there in the world, it's like, I mean, these arguments were happening on the dub stage as well. Yeah. <laughs> literally, where, you yeah. know, like, literally, the, that final shot, we're sort of sitting there as they're sort of doing the final mix. And I, I forget, like, was it maybe short or someone said, like, Red red Forest or something? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's literally as violent arguments as these do, do, do uh, happen out there in the world about this, then, then, then nope, we, we had them too. <laughs> Stephen, what do you think? Uh, I'm 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 in the, the the not the red forest camp, but uh, I'm in the, the I like the symbolism of of the that it's the, the the potential for the red forest and for something like that exists in the world, and that that you know that 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 there's you know that this all happened and there's I I, I see it that way I see it as a as a sort of sort of more 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 symbolic of of of, of, of the the potential to create technology that will do this always exists uh, and will still exist even in this new future. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of more like a, more, more like a symbol as opposed to a, as a, as to an actual, you know, they're not actually in the red forest, but, uh, but that's just but also I, the red forest uh, it was a symbol of all that as well. But 
it was the the red leaf was a symbol of now. I mean, the red forest was like this perpetual now, and that was his. That's Cole's message at the end. Is like, look, who knows what the future is? You you have now. Make the best of it. It's an you know, it's it's a tried and true um, uh, feeling to adhere to. I mean, so uh, that's the symbol for it is a red leaf. You know, that's one way to look at it. I, I think what. If you had pulled back and there was fucking red lightning and the house was, the house was shifting and there were you know babies being born and dying as old men in an instant, then it'd be like, eh, that's probably the red forest. And, not, and like, think it also piggybacks with- off of what Cassie said, uh, though, in her monologue. You know, she said the only way we travel in time now is like from second to second. So when he's talking now, yeah. like, yes, all you have is right this second, but in a, in a second, there's going to be another one. It's not the same right. now. Right. Drew, you, Drew, you stirred the pot on this. Um, yeah. No, I, <laughs> what's I, your I pur- take? Well, I purposely did because we spent, uh, we spent a good deal of time ma- making it as, as ambiguous as we could with it. You know, um, like, like there is, there is a shot that exists of Cassie turning, hitting the button on the thing. And, you know, yeah, we did shoot it, right? I, yeah, it was yeah, shot. I yep. that, right? okay. It was shot. Um, it, I never put it in because it felt like, you know, it was something Terry had mentioned. I don't know if it was season four or maybe season three. Four, I can't remember how far back that you kind of, you wanted it to be a little ambiguous, but, you know, I don't think you ever, I always, I always knew which ending you were, you were choosing and I knew which ending I was choosing, but it was, it was kind of a fun thing to just yeah. let, let's keep it ambiguous and see what people think about it. Because for me, it, it's no, she turned it off They're They're, you know, she turned off the machine and they're not in the red forest at all. No, I think they're, you know, she stopped it, but you know, the, the conversation is kind of, is, is kind of fun. And so, you know, we, we purposely did not include the shot of her turning it off. We have, you know, the time it takes from when the counter would run out to when the thing actually expands is very close. Um, and if you listen very carefully in the end credits, we, we, there's a wind chimes that are playing and we looped one piece of wind chime over and over again, basically. As just a subconscious, you know, if you listen to it specifically, you'll hear it, but hopefully you didn't hear it at all. And it just was kind of this repeating, thing that's happening and it was just kind of another fun little 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 breadcrumb to you know to the ambiguity of it but but no for me no i i think they're it, she shut it off the reason i like to stir the pot is because one of the writers sean trotta he likes to <laughs> they know they've say that it, that it's the red forest that that that's his and I, well, but you know what? You, but didn't I, you sing red? Didn't you sing red forest to the hot pockets theme on the? <laughs> was like red forest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on. So I have um, just to put this to bed. I have this, <laughs> the final script pulled up here, and I'm going to go to the moment yes. and see see if I wrote she turns it off or not. Uh, it's interesting. I was just uh, Jennifer originally wrote, had the um, the final voiceover of the show. And it just, it wasn't, uh, yeah, wasn't right. It had to go back to Cole's thing. Um, well, and, and it had to go back to these arms of mine too. I think it wasn't originally there. And then we were, 
we were kind of like you and I think you and I were both like we it, it needs to be these arms of mine it needs to be Cole it needs to be bookended from the beginning to the end here yeah okay so here's what it says in the script um Cole uh, uh or we can have now with an ending that makes it real Cassie please give us an ending Rayleigh struggles her face torrent of feelings emotions conflicts and contradictions under a swirling sky she turns Sets her hands on the console. Then it cuts uh, a lot to exterior tight and wide angle, a long, tense, frozen moment as the world almost ends until the beam shuts off. The skies cease spinning, the lightning stops flashing, and the wind stops blowing, and the faintest shining fleck of blue appears in the center. Um, cut back to her. The countdown stopped, mere milliseconds left. Rayleigh turns back to Cole, reaching out taking his hand through the fallen tangle of debris, his soot stained, his soot stained, <laughs> hers blood stained. Chris Monfett must have wrote this first pass of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, ring, the ring between them, it's over. Uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you see her put her hands on the, in the script at least, you could be like, she sets her hands on the console to turn it off. So there you go. Well, yeah. So do we need to get like release the metallis cut trending? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that that. I mean, that, that is my cut. Happens. It is my cut. Right. Yeah, I mean, we could. You know what, Drew? We, we need a we screenshot should... of the of the screen. Yeah. I mean, didn't Amanda script. also explain that was just like a piece of um, plywood? <laughs> that was no. I mean, was... it, we we built the console. It was just, but it was made out of, like the the screen was a green screen visual effects thing it wasn't but we can you know i'll call i'll call the visual effect company folks and be like can you just have her hit a button that says turn red forest off <laughs> you know that, that always blows that does blow me away actually when you say when any anything whereas these heavily visual effects sequences that's where i do have an enormous admiration for the actors in the sense of that they, they have so little to work with i mean it's literally they're just looking at a sea of green there's just green all around them and it's so and they're like this is the end of the universe is happening in front of you and it's like i have no idea how at that point you you you, you channel that in a believable fashion but uh you know that's at that point i, I you know i have such such admiration for them for because because the, the, how little they have in front of them is is, is kind of mind-blowing really Ah, uh, that was so fun. We'd love it. Would you share a screenshot of that script or do you want to keep that sort of in people's sure. imagination? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, just to bring it back to where we sort of started the conversation in ending a story, um, you know, as we were saying, it's two years later, people are still rewatching this. They're still debating it, sometimes heatedly, um, you know, out on social media or, or as they've come on this podcast. And I think one of the things that this finale did so well is you answered meticulously so many questions um, that other shows with this kind of sprawling mythology in the past really have not done so in a satisfying way. And yet, can really think of only three other TV finales that left that kind of question that almost serves as like an inkblot test for the audience. Like can think of the end of the Sopranos, um, the end of black sales and the end of the leftovers. And, you know, those three with 12 monkeys, those are really the four. Can you all think of anywhere it's asking the audience to 
it, we almost get to have a little bit of investment in the end of the story and that it gives us the freedom a little bit for it to be what you want it to be. And yet it answered all of these questions as well, which is a really hard balance to strike. Does that make sense? I think Lost did it really well. <laughs> wow, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. I hated that finale more than anything in the whole world. <laughs> well, yeah, I no, mean... It, yeah. It, no, it, it's a really tough... I can't, no, I can't really think of one that, you know, because I thought, I thought the leftovers was a great finale just because it gave you the what if and, you know, is she, is her story true or not? But as far as like answering questions, it didn't do that, you know, right. really. Right. Um, it, it just left you with kind of a great mystery and kind of put it on the audience about what do you think, which I thought was, was nice and kind of, you know, fit the show well. It was a nice way to end the show. But yeah, it's, no, I can't really think. And even The Sopranos was more, you know, more ambiguous, if that makes sense. Just, you know, more shocking in its ambiguity, mm-hmm. you know, um, where I think the intent with this was always that, you know, it's it, it's pretty clear that that this happened. But if you want to talk about it and if you want to, like Sean Tretta, feel the other way, then you can, you know, you can do that, too. So it was the kind of nice, like choose your own adventure choose your own choose your own ending you know which is kind of you know the gist of what jennifer was saying right. you know it, throughout this um if if you wanted to but for me it's pretty it's pretty obvious what what happens or you know at least for me anyway yeah it is really <laughs> fun to hear sean talk about it though it truly is <laughs> yeah we would have impassioned yeah it, it was just funny watching him and terry go back and forth with this that was just hilarious because for me, I was like, I'm, I'm even like, Sean, how do you even, I don't even understand how you're feeling this way. I mean, it's pretty clear that she stopped. Like, you know, how is this the Red Forest? It doesn't look like anything else we've ever seen. You know, like Terry was saying, if there's red storms raging over the house at the end, maybe, you know, there's more substance to it. But uh, it, it was just, it was fun to, it's fun to watch him uh, state, state his opinion. I mean, my, my, my feeling with the, the Red Forest side of it had also been that, that if it were the Red Forest, it's sort of, you know, you see her going on a real estate site and buying the house and, you know, kind of and all this sort of kind of thing. I mean, I think if, if it somehow sort of if you cut straight to uh, Cassie <laughs> at the house. Right, the you, end, you want to argue, though, have... it does, is, the, is Redfin part of the Red Forest? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 that's how it works. You're like, oh, there's still Zillow. You can still go on Zillow and find a house in the Red Forest. Yeah. I mean, it it needs you to believe. Of- <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is one of those things where you, you, you to to actually say that it is is you have to add on a, a great number of layers. <laughs> um, but look, is, I mean, know, in defense, it. <laughs> in defense of Sean, though, like there, and again, the reason it's there is I knew there was a great many. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of people who who prefer that ending, the bittersweet ending, um, a darker ending. Uh, you know, Sean wrote an ending, and maybe one day he'll let me read it or at least a pitch for how it ended and um i think it was like cole lived but only he only has a little amount of time to live so they're going to live out this tiny amount of time left and for me i just wanted the i just wanted a relief i just wanted to know it was all okay because we had lived in that space for so long of of misery porn um that i like i like to know i like to have 
to be let off the hook a little bit, you know? Um, I mean, there's a case for seven doing the movie seven, but you know, that's a very specific thing at the, especially when, you know, at the end of an epic journey, I, I, I don't know. It feels like it's still a fairy tale. You still want, they all live happily ever after. I think the funniest thing about that is actually that though that the happy endings are um, by their nature. I mean, a positive ending is harder um, than 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 a than a dark. It's very easy to end dark. It's like and end dark and put everything into you know everyone's. It, that's not difficult at all. Um, and and sort of leaving it open. It's it's actually actually having a, a, a an ending like this feel satisfying is. Is is a lot more difficult because it's got easily got the 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 the, the risk of feeling sentimental or feeling uh, unearned and just feeling like too much and sort of you know that's and and also then you know kind of you get you get from that point of sort of a smile to a sort of an eye roll uh, moment and I think that's that's you know that it, it's such a fine line and I think for some people like if you look at like Lord of the Rings may have gone gone over that line because it's just too it is too many endings but for some people. Um, uh, and it's, it, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a really interesting and interesting fine line to walk. Um, but, uh, but being dark is, the big dark's really, really not, 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 not anywhere near as difficult. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate, mm. I appreciate Terry doing that with it because it feels satisfying. And I think there's something to giving the audience what, you know, what they want. I think it feels like so often it's, yeah, the dark ending or the ambiguous, you know, you make up the decision of the ending. And it's like, okay, but, you know, we've been following these characters for four seasons. Give me the moment. Give, like, give me them happy together. Finally, they've gone through so much. And it's, you know, it's just really nice. That last scene is just really nice and satisfying. And it's, it feels so right. And, I'm, you know, as an audience member, as a fan of the show, it's it's so nice to have that for myself because you've been through they've been through hell and back, and now we get to actually have a nice moment where there's not the end of the world hanging over their heads that they can just be together, and it's you know it's really it's really sweet and nice. So I appreciate the 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 you know serving the audience and kind of giving the audience what they want, and I think it it works perfectly, you know, in this in this circumstance. I think there's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot now that that in some ways creators have taken on as very uh, having a very negative connotation, and that is the idea of fan service. And yeah. Oh my God. I, I, yes. Right. Yes. Crazy. Even yes. when you're mentioning that, Drew, like you know, give, I, the, give the fans what they want, and yes, absolutely. But in my mind, it's also like give the fans what they deserve. Yes, fans, yeah. we like invested yeah. all this time. I we agree. did this, and even outside of the audience, give the characters what they deserve. You there, know, uh, it just blows uh, my I, mind that people are like, "No, do the evil thing and just you know surprise them all." And it's like it's not surprising anymore, guys. <laughs> it's, right? It's yeah. Or it's just like like there are times you know, uh, the Mandalorian was accused a lot of fan of quote unquote fans. I, this is, that is a phrase I wish that never entered the, the <laughs> ecosphere. Like I, I like it is so frustrating. So it's like when Twitter learned, uh, when fans learned the word trope, and then everything became a trope, 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 trope. <laughs> what about the <laughs> trope of, uh, when that, they come home, that's not. such a trope. She loves him and he loves her. It's just like, <laughs> fuck you. You don't know what trope is. So, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, fan service like it is yeah because uh, you know I'm on a show right now where um, fan service can be argued about quite a bit. What's fan service? You know, um, and so I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, <laughs> I'm on NDAs, all sorts of NDAs. But there are certain things where it's like, yeah, but uh, this character blank is part of their DNA as to who this character is. So maybe we should see blank again. And then the argument is, well, that's fan service. Like, no, it's fundamentally what this character is about. So why would you not include this this thing? Um, yeah, God. Wow, I, mean, I could go on. I, it's, 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 almost, it's into like double bluff territories because now it's almost like you've got people putting things or try, trying to sort of like go even, it's like a double or triple bluff thing. They're like, oh, well, it's fan service if we put it in, but maybe it's fan service now if we don't put it in. Uh, you know, kind of. Uh, right. Or, or sort yeah. of, and, and, and then the moment you make that decision to, to do it, I mean, and it's, it's funny, it's like, you know, it, it, there's it, there's a, there's a musical version of this as well because I think there's you know there's 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 tunes. I mean, uh, that 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 are a part of a part of sort of you know kind of kind of our culture. And I, I had this recently with, um, with 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 Star Wars working on that. It's like the the, the the these things come with almost like I mean, for, for with Star Wars, it, 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 it we we once or twice joked about it even being sort of a little bit like baggage, but it's it's the finest baggage. It's Louis Vuitton's finest, you know, right. million dollar. <laughs> I mean, the, the finest killed it. I mean, it's yeah. the most beautiful John baggage. Williams, you yeah. imagine, but That's it is, right. but it's, <laughs> but it is, it, it is that because it's like you you don't want to feel like you are somehow, uh, you know, sort of I don't want to say disrespecting it by using it. But you you want to make it feel meaningful and sort of you don't want to cheapen something by just sort of just using it sort of willy and so it, it has become this this thing where where you you do see sort of people sort of almost like second and triple guessing themselves about whether they should go down these paths yeah. and that 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 I'm not sure if that's a positive thing in storytelling uh, really but it's you know it's, but I guess it's just the nature of the beast I mean it's and also the nature of the fact that we're often working with these existing existing worlds um and so that's you know it's going to be with us for a while i think but but there we go well it's also interesting because i feel like we're living in a time with television and movies where creators have probably never been more acutely aware of what fans think or want or don't want um and so I mean, I can, I'm sure Beep and I can, we can think of some shows right now that are airing and I can almost see the, the seams of, of what is in reaction, um, to what audiences have said they want or they don't want. But I feel like fan service gets thrown around in so many different ways, right? Like in Game of Thrones, Arya stabbing, um, the Night King, people are like, that's fan service. And you're like, is that fan service or is did they is that just paying off something that they carefully built over many, many seasons? And it's all coming together just because it makes people cheer and 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 they enjoyed it. Does that make it fan service? Or like putting Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon again in The Force Awakens? Is that yeah, fan service? Or does that just make <laughs> sense because it's Han Solo? Right. I yeah, that's the stuff that makes me crazy. For you know, I think it's unfortunate. Boy, God, Star Wars is just you know, you could, you could fill out and people have hours and hours on, you know, uh, I remember, um, 
you know, we all had different reactions to The Last Jedi, whatever. But when the trailer came out and they had um, Emperor Palpatine's laugh, I was like, and he said, no one's really gone. I, I, straight up, goosebumps, got misty. I was like, oh, wow, that fantastic. There's an actual villain now. Um, I don't know how that all ties together, but that seems smart to have the villain who was there at the very beginning be there at the very end somehow, right? Now, but I don't want to argue about how they managed to pull that, you know, because yeah, you do, you really do wish that reveal was at the end of the Last Jedi, uh, so that it didn't come out of nowhere in the in the third one. Um, but that's an argument. It's it's like I remember when that first happened. If you if you were at um, the Star Wars convention, the the, the big uh, what's it called, Star Wars Expo, where they premiered that trailer. Uh, what's the big thing? They, what's it called? Celebration. Oh, um, Star Wars yep. Celebration. And people are like freaking out. If you watch the reaction videos, like just go on YouTube and you just have thousands of people. And then it then you get this bitter like, oh, it's just fan service to have the Emperor back. I'm like, no, it's not. What is anyway, uh whatever. Like is it is it fan service to have Captain America say Avengers assemble an endgame? I mean, if it is, I don't care because it was awesome. And you've been waiting uh, right. for that moment, you know? <laughs> it's, it's the, yeah, it's the best moment of that thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think in Mandalorian, it's like, oh, we saw the cantina. Like, if it if it's frivolous, then it can, then that's when I think you can kind of use it. Like, it, it, you used it without any real impact. Like, they show the cantina on Ta- Tatooine and Mandalorian, and it's it's actually now run by droids. So, you know, it's commentary on, like, no, the droids aren't welcome here, too. Eventually, droids are going to be running the place, right? Um, is that fan service? Or, like, why would you, if you're on Tatooine, why would you not go to the can- cantina? Of course you'd go to the cantina. Right. Why would you not want to see the cantina again? So it's just this tricky thing that... Um, now has to be navigated in the writer's room. And like, yeah, whatever. I think what's becoming more concerning to a large degree is the evidence and kind of, as Tina had mentioned, what's pretty obvious evidence at times that showrunners or creators have taken this feedback and will purposely do everything they can to not give fans what they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It's also the, the instantaneous nature of the feedback as well. <laughs> but that's uh, you know, I mean, it's literally we can we can see it see it live studio seconds. audience. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, and it's but it's but it's with with uh, at least when you you know when you do test screenings. I mean, it, we we used to go through this whole process of on, on film one well, we still do, but uh, with films of, of of doing test screenings and and you get the sort of focus group feedback at the end, and sometimes you know you 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 you'd get you get feedback where you you'd think that they hadn't been seeing sitting watching the same movie. I mean, you'd be like, what? How can you possibly? How can you possibly have taken that from from what you saw? And it's uh, you know, and it and it's it's become this sort of instantaneous test screening that's worldwide and irrevocable. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's tricky. It's, uh, you know, it's, but it's, but it's just the nature of the beast now, I guess. So, um, you know, we just have to figure out how to, how to, how to best use those things. And, but then also, uh, sort of stick to one's guns and, 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 and tell the story you're going to try and tell and then, you know, come, come, come what may really in some ways. So, um, as just, sorry, I guess to close out, um, you know, we're two years since this show ended. 
and you still have people every week discovering it anew. Um, there are some weeks where if I go on Twitter and I search the hashtag, there's more tweets about 12 monkeys than some television shows that are currently airing. Um, which I, you know, I hope is gratifying for you all that people are continuing to discover this story. Now that we're sort of two years after and as that continues to go on, and what do you all hope the, the legacy of the show is? The legacy of the show? Well, I think the message is at the end is, is probably the most important, um, you know, in a world that's constantly in flux and we always want and strive and fight for it to be better. Um, it, it's, it's much easier to look to the horizon than it is to be like right now and, and see what's in front of you and enjoy those moments. So I, I think that's the lesson that I think is probably the most important of it. And I think, you know, look at, at the end of the day, it's still a very, very small audience. The fact that I can name probably our 10 biggest fans is evidence of that. <laughs> I can tell you exactly <laughs> who they are just by how they tweet in. Um, and, and, uh, the two of you, by the way, at the very top of that list. And I just want to say congratulations <laughs> for, for, for rewatching all this. And thank you for spending this much time, you know, discussing something that, that we loved and, 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 and made with passion. Uh, I, I can't thank the both of you enough for, for doing these podcasts. Uh, they, they really mean a lot. And, Look, as far as I'm concerned, keep them going. Let's just keep, let's go to from, let's start doing department heads and production designers and actors. <laughs> you, still haven't, you still haven't had Aaron on, you know, we, we can, you know, many, many more. So when you guys tire. I think Tina meant to be muted when she made that sound. <laughs> yeah. I would just mute myself during that whole podcast. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I think, I think, so yeah, I think for me it's 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 a case of uh, my my thing of the like I said it's the the particularly the 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 the, the it's okay complexity isn't a vice uh, when when making making a storytelling and 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 TV shows like this it's like the, the, there's a I think there's a common thought that. In, in a lot of TV, that the, the audience sort of need to have stuff spoon fed to them, and you just don't. Um, and the audience are, are just—I've I've always been a great believer that the audience is intelligent, and if you give them the, 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 you know, the, that respect, um, then then you have you you have have the possibility of creating shows that that really do sort of dive deep down into 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 rabbit holes of of, of storytelling. And people will come with you, and that 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 for me, I think, is it's it's just a prime example of how you can have a show that is is kind of, that that is is deep and complex and talks about, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's uh, how many shows are you know have Hawking half and paradoxes and stuff like that, uh, you know, but but put them within a, a thing that's 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 entertaining, and it's 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 that that for me is I think that's the overriding thing is it just it, it treats the audience as, as as smart because because they are they absolutely can be. Um, yeah, I think it's. Um... You know, I think it's a great example that it's okay to, to pose questions, uh, you know, layers of questions, and it's okay to answer those questions in a satisfying way. I think, you know, there seems to be a stigma about it now where you need to, you know, you need to ask a lot of questions, but you can't ever answer them all. You know, some of them have to be left unsaid forever. And, you know, it, it, it's just nice that, that you can, by the end of it, feel like you've been on a complete journey in a show like this. Um, so, you know, I appreciate 
Terry's and the writer's work of, of, of managing all of this stuff, all these varying timelines and threads that are all over the place uh, to so that we could, you know, tie, you know, untie the knot in the end and make it make it a satisfying you know, conclusion or answer where questions are answered and, you know, it feels like a, like a singular experience after you've watched the show, the series. Um, and I always liked the, th- the thematic bit of this series finale in particular about, it is about now, you know, echoing what Terry was saying. I think it's, it's a super important thing that, that we can tend to forget about nowadays where we're not just enjoying the moments, uh, you know, that we have, and it's always looking forward to something or, thinking back about something and not enjoying we have right now. So it was just nice to hear it be, you know, the, the hero thread of this, of the finale was that, you know, it's because things end, that's what makes them worth it. That's what makes it worth fighting for. So, um, so I just thought it was, it was a powerful theme and it was nice to hear it, you know, kind of, kind of said so, so clearly. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I just, you know, Props to Terry, really, for this this whole series. It's oh, such, stop, stop! Such a <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 really tricky to do time travel well, and I think he he absolutely nailed it, stuck the landing. So you know, well, I have a whole lot of help, a lot of really <laughs> talented writers and actors and editors and composers that all made this a thing. So I I you know. It's not just me by a long shot. Uh, well, it's also credit to you to build such a, you know, quality team and, you know, being able, being, having the privilege to work on it was really everyone, the crew, the cast, you know, the sound guys, the, I mean, everybody was, we were really making this, you know, it was like a passion project for everybody, you know, a lot of times and hours of sweat, blood, sweat and tears went into it. So it's, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear you guys like do this podcast and, and, and hear from the fans when they're like, we love it because you know, that's why we did it. We, you know, we did it, you know, we're doing it for us. Obviously we want to make something cool, but we're hoping that people are watching it and that they're enjoying this kind of passion project that we were, we're doing. So, uh, it's nice to hear. Well, it was a privilege to talk to you all about it. You know, it's not often you get to talk to the people behind your favorite TV show ever. So thank you all so much for making so much of your time on the weekends. Um, last time and this time, and especially Terry, you've been on many times and we're very grateful. It's rather pathetic. Yes. <laughs> hey guys, you want to talk about 12 monkeys? <laughs> uh, that one time in band camp? No. <laughs> thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening and thank you to all of the wonderful people behind the scenes at 12 Monkeys for being so generous with their time. It's been an honor to share behind the scenes stories with so many fans. As for us, we will be back for one more episode of the podcast to give the finale a well-deserved final epic fangirl flail. Professor Aaron and Dark Amy are joining us for that, so please keep your eyes and ears open. We'll leave you with the gorgeous theme by Stephen Barton, Save the One. And until next time, we'll see you soon.